I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the long game with LZ and Leach from the Recounted Acast, where every week we talk about the biggest sports stories and how they impact culture, politics, and business. I'm your boy LZ Granderson, the Happy Rams fan. He's Will Leach, the depressed Arizona Cardinals fan. <laughs> it was cruel to have a taping day the night after the Rams and Cardinals play the Monday Night Football game. That was hard. Uh, we have a very full slate today, however, starting with our top stories of the week. We're going to start off by talking about the legacy of Stephen Curry, who by the time you hear this will most likely have set the NBA record for the most career three-pointers. Beyond being one of the greatest players ever, Steph has also revolutionized basketball. So, Will, is he the biggest game changer in NBA history? Wait, is that the guy that's Dell's son? That's him, right? Or is that Seth? Uh, yes. Okay. And yes. I'm correct on all fronts. <laughs> then we'll discuss Tiger Woods, who will be playing competitive golf this weekend for the first time since his horrific car accident last February. Without Tiger, the sport of golf has struggled to stay relevant. LZ, when Tiger says goodbye for good, is he taking golf with him? He's definitely taking the black folks with him, that's for sure. Then my friend and former ESPN colleague Michelle Beadle would join us. Last week, she made some news when she revealed that LeBron James tried to get her fired. Fired, I say, because she made fun of the decision like she was the only one. I have decided I am going to take my appetite to the Outback Steakhouse. You will be eating dinner at the Outback Steakhouse. That is correct. We'll look back at the decision and discuss why that 2010 show remains controversial to this day. And we'll talk about Michelle's time at ESPN and how the relationship between the NBA and the network have changed over the years. We've also got a great This Week in Sports History segment where we analyze a notable event from the past through the lens of 2021. Today, we're putting a spotlight on the 1972 Miami Dolphins, a team that reached a big milestone 49 years ago this week on the way to becoming the only undefeated team in NFL history. To this day, members of that squad still celebrate whenever the last unbeaten NFL team loses his first game. LZ, is it finally time for them to end this tradition? Oh, come on. Let them live. And we'll finish off the show with our games of the week and Will's, that's me, and LZ's, that's him, our blunders of the week. But first, LZ, I want to know one thing, and I really don't want to know it because I know what you're going to say. What's your sports mood right now? I don't know, my friend. I mean, Tough call. <coughs> Rams! Uh, you know, it's... Your Rams, my Cardinals, yes. There's so many teams to choose from. <coughs> Rams! Mm -hmm. Dude, I mean, come on! We whooped that ass on Monday night! Whoop that ass. Team with the best record in the league. Not we anymore. were like, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> Beat them down in their own house. What do you think my sports mood is like? I'm like, hell yeah. Boom, boom. We're going to the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, you're still a game back, I feel obliged to point out. But that was a distressing performance by Arizona Cardinals, who still, by the way, had a chance to win late. I think it was like a fake spike. They had an opportunity to perhaps tie. Yeah, they had the opportunity to stay in the game. Yes. But I have to say, this was a game that felt like Arizona probably should have been primed to win, right? They've been hot for a while. They're at home. The Rams had players out with and health protocols. Not just players. I mean, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I like mean, top players. Tyler Higby. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the good guys, guys we kind of depend on. Yeah, and Arizona was not able to take advantage. I think Murray's was great. He didn't throw any touchdowns, but I feel like he played a Kyler Murray game. Mm -hmm. I have to say, this is the general concern that I have with Arizona, not just uh, last night, but moving forward. I think that Cliff Kingsbury has a good system and is uh, adaptable, but tends to tense up in big moments. And I think we saw that a couple of times last night. It's frustrating, though, because the, the Rams are so good and the Packers are so good and the Buccaneers are so good. Arizona went from having the best record in the NFL to, with that loss last night, they're now the third seed in the <laughs> NFC, which is really, really frustrating. It's jam-packed. Yeah. I mean, every team in the league has at least three losses. That hasn't happened yeah. in a very, very long time. And I think that for... 
Rams fans such as myself, Mm -hmm. it was confirmation that this team was still good, even though we just had a three-game losing streak that got better because we faced Jacksonville. It was a huge time for that win for you guys. It was was a huge time. And the, the way that they won, they were physical. After being out physical, if that's a phrase, sure. in the three losses, right? They were getting pushed around. This time we did the pushing, which was great to see. And Matthew Stafford looks healthy. He hadn't looked like himself in the, during that three-game losing streak. He was accurate. He was comfortable. He had time, and he took advantage of that time. It was a great, comprehensive win against your Cardinals. But as you said, we're still a game back in the division. And even though it's a great win, even though we're just one game out of first place, we're the fifth seed, and looks like we're still going to be opening on the road unless we can get some help. I don't remember a season where I have absolutely no idea who's going to represent either conference in the Super Bowl. It's fun, right? It is this fun. This is the parody the NFL always claims it has, but there's no like obvious team. Like I think it'd be any of four or five teams in the NFC. I have no idea who's going to come out of the AFC. I think the AFC is down to two teams. I do. I don't know. I feel like the Chiefs are on a run. Patriots are hanging I, in. Bill still yeah, has, I think it's those two teams. Again, this wasn't very long ago where like the Patriots were getting beaten by Brady on Monday Night Football. And you're like, okay, well, at least they showed something. And they've been red hot right. ever since then. Right. I know that everybody's going to want the Buccaneers, Patriots. I think that's what everybody would love to that's see. That's what I asked you for this weekend. I, I was like, which story you think is the biggest story? And I still feel like the biggest story in any possible Super Bowl is either the Bills or the Browns winning it. I think those are like the two long tortured fan bases. But in lieu of that happening, it's funny. Baker Mayfield, it's remarkable to see how much Cleveland hates him all of a sudden. It's really kind of wild that came well, out of nowhere. Well, you know what? They're sick of seeing those commercials like everyone else. I get, you know, I have to say, though, among quarterback <laughs> actors, him and Rodgers are cut above the other quarterback actors. Anyway, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's not bad. Mm-hmm. But we're off topic. The point is, the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> did not lose last night. That did not happen. I fell asleep. I had to get a flight in the morning. I don't know what happened. And please do not correct me. I'm sure Arizona won in staying in first place in the NFC. Just focus in on the sweatshirt. You look good. That I got the last time we were in the Super Bowl. Can we get uh, the general manager back on? I can psych him out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I need the Rams to start losing now. You stay away from him. All right, let's move on to our first big story. Curry for three. He is one away. That was the sound of Golden State's Stephen Curry hitting the 2,972nd three-point shot of his illustrious career on Monday night. He is now, at the second that I say this, just two away from making the most threes in NBA history. We're taping this podcast on Tuesday morning, hours before Curry plays against the Knicks in New York tonight, where I will be in attendance. Very excited. So by the time you hear this, he will most certainly be the record holder, and I most certainly will have told everybody I know that I was there. Curry, who joined the league in 2009, has also won three NBA championships, two MVPs, and is on route to a third, two scoring titles, made seven all-star teams, and is acknowledged as the greatest shooter of all time. But I kind of think that Steph is so much more than that. Not since Michael Jordan changed basketball has anyone revolutionized the game like Curry has. When he came into the league, just more than 20% of all shots taken were three-pointers. Today we're at 40%, and that ratio is increasing every year. The NBA is all about the three-pointer now, and that's because Steph has shown everyone the way. LZ, here is my question for you to spur our discussion. Is Stephen Curry the biggest game-changer in NBA history? As much as I love Steph, and as much as I love the way that the game has changed and demanded Mm -hmm. that players, particularly big men, are more skilled and they're better shooters, I'm still going to go with Wilt Chamberlain being the biggest game-changer in the game's history. I mean, because of Will Chamberlain, there's no more goaltending. Because of Will Chamberlain, the paint got larger. (laughs) They literally changed the court. (laughs) They changed the court for Will Chamberlain. So I'm still going to go with Big Wilt as the biggest game changer. But certainly for this era of basketball, we've had tremendous three-point shooters. Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, of course. That great Phoenix Suns team that Mm -hmm. Steve Nash had where it was about driving kick, driving kick was very, very heavy on three-pointers, and Mike D'Antoni became a star in the NBA because of that system. But no one has shot the ball like Stephen Clay. And because of the way that Stephen Clay shoot the ball, every single team in the league is not even considered a serious contender without at least one player who's trying to be the Steph Curry for that team. <laughs> so when you think about it that way, and the entire history of the game, to me, it is still Wilt. But for this era of basketball, it's Steph. 
Yeah, and Steph's emergence in the NBA coincided with a breakthrough in analytics, right? I remember when Henry Abbott wrote for ESPN and basically pointing out that while Kobe Bryant was a great player, his hero ball, I actually use the term hero ball, his hero ball style of play was perhaps not what general managers, that was not the direction the sport was going. And it was fine because Steph seemed to represent that direction, right? It's not like baseball analytics, which basically made games go four and a half hours and made like 80 pitching changes. The NBA analytics said, you know what? It turns out three points, more than two points. So let's <laughs> maximize that. It's also what that does to the spacing of the game. When you have right. someone like Steph who can pull up from the logo. Howard Beck put up on Twitter five different <laughs> pictures of five players surrounding Steph Curry on the court. And who knows where the other Warriors are, but all five defenders are all right after Steph. You have to constantly account for him. And I think him coinciding with the changes in the game. And listen, some people don't love these changes. There right. are a group of NBA fans that feel like there are too many three-pointers now. And I understand that. I also think that was a revolution that was coming. And I think Steph is the thing you can point at and be like, see, if you have a guy that can shoot like this, it opens up everything. The idea that centers either need to shoot three-pointers right now or their backups are rim runners at best. If Shaq is in the NBA right now, like prime Shaq, I think we overestimate how, like Shaq was a good athlete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he, yeah. he still is going to He'd have still time be good. on the court. He clearly <laughs> still be good. No question about it. Right. But certainly they would expect him to shoot. I remember when, when, when Steve Kerr traded for Shaq with the Suns and it yeah. messed up everything. And it wasn't because Shaq was horrible. It just changed the vibe that they were kind of wanting to go. Now the sport is more built around Steph Curry's than it is around Shaq. Doesn't mean Shaq isn't good. Steph seemed to emerge at the exact moment that his style of play was going to be the direction the NBA was going. Yeah, and he forced the NBA to go there. The way that he shoots it, from the distance that he shoots it, has just changed everything. I mean, LeBron James used to be the player that you were back up off of and say, go ahead, take that 17-footer. He's now the player who's taking and making shots from the logo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because he just wanted to get better up on his own. It's just that the game has changed. Yeah. And if you still want to be that dominant force, you can't be that dominant force without that three-point shot. Think about the last few MVPs. Obviously, LeBron, but other than Derrick Rose, and I guess you can make the argument for Giannis, though Giannis did take threes, he just wasn't great at it, but he took them. I think you got to go all the way back to Tim Duncan before you get to an MVP winner in which the three-point shot wasn't a big part of their repertoire offensively. Yeah, That's and, like 20 years ago. Yeah, and Giannis, a large part of his MVP is because he sets up threes. In addition to being so yeah, great, right, right. Who he is, he's able to set up all these other three guys. I don't know if you read Marcus Thompson's great piece about Steph in The Athletic. It's a fantastic piece. And it has an interview with Del Curry, his dad, mm -hmm. who, when I was a kid, was, was like, a great shooter. I was going to say, Del Curry's such a great <laughs> shooter. Basically, at one point, they realized, so what Steph needs to be is a mix between Reggie Miller and Steve Nash. Be Reggie Miller shooting, but play like Steve Nash. Not that Steve Nash wasn't a great shooter, too. Steve Nash is arguably a better shooter than Steph Curry. We just would never know because the three-pointer just wasn't yeah. that prevalent. But he was a 50-40-90 guy like five or six seasons. Yeah. But to be able to mix those things and to get his shot off so easily from anywhere yeah. just changed everything across the board. I'm also curious about him as like a cultural figure, which is to say somewhere someone on Fox Nation streaming is yelling about LeBron right now. There's like 80 different things. Oh, of course they are. And someone's yelling about LeBron. But it's funny, Steph, who has actually been pretty outspoken politically, he had this great quote last year where he said, because he was, of course, not in the bubble, and they asked him about the protests, listen, they're fighting against the thing that the current president is doing, which to me means they are on the right track. He's not been like Derek Jeter, right? Or someone right. who's trying to stay out of this stuff. He's been pretty open about it. He was the one that originally did not want to go to the White House in the first place with the Warriors, but he's not become a target. In fact, when he actually had his big moment with Trump where he wasn't going to go to the White House, LeBron just took it over and called Trump a bum. And that's kind of what led to, to this and so on. The guy hosts a reality show with his wife and people still like him. Like that feels like <laughs> such a hard thing to do. Everybody loves Steph Curry. I feel like my sons want to be Steph Curry. The way that I wanted to be Jordan, they want to be Steph. He's been able to go into these other quadrants and been beloved. He's not someone like Durant's always getting crap. LeBron's always getting crap. People love Steph in a way and don't give him the backlash the way some other NBA superstars get. You know, I think there are a couple of reasons at play. Number one, 
and this is a false assumption, but I can understand why people make it. Steph looks as if he's their size. And by there, I mean like the average person right, size. Right, now he's not. Right. Steph is big. I think he's like 6'3". Yeah. But compared to everyone else in the court, he looks like a little man. Yeah. And so people like your children, like your son, yeah. look at Steph out there and they can see themselves in the court because there's a quote unquote little guy doing these great big things. And again, it's a misnomer because Steph is actually... Big. <laughs> if we saw Steph on the street and did not know he was a basketball, I'd be like, wow, that guy's really tall. <laughs> like, right, exactly. I, always remember, I remember Baron Davis. Baron Davis was on the Knicks. We always think of Baron Davis as a little guy. And then he dated Laura Dern. I was like, oh, Baron Davis is totally really tall. Compared to the rest of us, he's like dude. this huge tall guy. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I, to your point, the very first time I met Isaiah Thomas, who at the time was being called the, the, the best little man to ever play the game, right? So I'm thinking, little man. I'm looking up to him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm not a little guy. <laughs> yeah. So how the hell is he a little yeah, the guy? The Muggsy but, and Spud Webb days are far behind us. There's far, guys, far no, behind. no one's doing that anymore. But it works to Stephen Curry's advantage because, again, it gives the impression that he's a little guy. He's the David beating Goliath. And I think people just naturally gravitate towards the Davids in that situation. So that's one. Two, Right. He's a good looking guy. And so we know from science that people tend to just gravitate toward and give people who are better looking than others the benefit of the doubt more. That's just, you know, science. And I'm not saying that everyone else is ugly. What I'm saying is when you're a handsome person or a pretty woman, people just tend to grant you more favor. That science is not me, whatever. I'm pretty sure LZ just called Durant and LeBron ugly. I, I'm just, I, I'm just, I, 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 you heard it. You, everyone's I'm listening. saying something <laughs> that may be adjacent to that conversation. <laughs> but what I'm definitely saying, not adjacent, but definitely saying is that Steph's a good looking guy yeah. and people like good looking people and tend to listen to them and give them the benefit of the doubt. I interviewed him right at the very beginning of the career, 2013. He personally emailed me to set up the interview and we pushed his stroller <laughs> I believe that daughter is now like a social media sensation and is on tour with Billie <laughs> Eilish or something. But at the time, it was just baby in the stroller. And we mostly talked about raising kids and we mostly talked about how we couldn't get the kids to sleep. And listen, I could have that conversation with LeBron because I'm sure he's gone through the same thing. But LeBron wouldn't let me in in that way. When Steph Curry was 16, he was Del Curry's son that occasionally got to shoot on the court, but was not Harold. He went to Davidson, whereas LeBron's on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 14. It's different growing up experiences. And I think that's a thing I feel kind of bad for LeBron, Steph got to be a surprise. Steph got right. to be, wow, this guy that I was really hoping he was going to fall to the Knicks, nothing against Jordan freaking Hill, but I was hoping he was going to fall to the Knicks and didn't, but he was a surprise. He was from a small school. He's an exciting story. It feels like Steph has never had high expectations that he couldn't live up to. Everything Steph's done has been a surprise, and I think that helps as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which is a testament to guys like Durant, guys like, you know, LeBron, who come in with fanfare and great expectations and meet them. It is, in my opinion, a little bit easier to surprise people than to try to confirm expectations that were heaped on you. But Steph Curry, amazing shooter, fantastic man, great philanthropist. There's not a lot of things negative to say about him. I would just simply add this one last thing. Mm. He's got to find a way to get a finals MVP. Because when you talk to baller ballers, <laughs> dudes in the barbershop who are talking about who did what when, they always point to the fact that he's never been able to have one of those final performances that just makes you go, damn, he's that dude. He's the guy that gets you to the finals. He's the guy that helps you win a championship. But for whatever reasons, the perception of Steph Curry, and it could be the finals MVP performances, it could be that he was overshadowed by LeBron and KD in so many of those finals, but that he hasn't come to the finals and just made you go, damn. Yeah. He doesn't right. need that. It would just, just be nice to see him get that, get that kind of love where the finals are wrapped up and they're just like going, damn, he did that. And this could be the year. No, people this did not think this was going to be the year. Clay's coming back soon. And now a note to future me. I hope you enjoyed the watching Steph break the record last night. Had a good time at the garden. Here's Curry for the record. It's good! There it is! Stephen Curry! The all-time three-point king in the NBA! All right, Will, let's move on to our next big topic, which is the return of the GOAT. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. 
waited for years. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is. The return to glory. That was the soothing dulcet tones of CBS's Jim Nance <laughs> describing the moment when Tiger Woods won his last major golf championship at the 2019 Masters, almost two years before Woods suffered severe leg injuries in a frightening car accident back in February. This weekend, after a grueling rehab, Woods will compete again for the first time in about a year in the PNC Championship in Orlando, an unofficial event that pairs major championship winners with family members. Fans everywhere are thrilled to see him return, but happiest of all is probably NBC, which is broadcasting the PNC, because without Tiger, interest in golf generally plummets. Let me give you a quick example. When Tiger won that 2019 Masters, over 15 million people watched the final round, including me. In 2021, with Tiger sidelined, the Masters lost more than a third of those viewers, including me, and had its second lowest rated finale since 1957. Even though Tiger is 46, which is a great age, and admits he likely can't win again because of the physical trauma he has endured, the sport is still dependent on him to get attention. So my question for you, LZ, is this. When Tiger hangs it up, whenever that is, does golf even have a chance to be relevant without him? Who's the number one player in the world right now? Uh, Brooks or Byron or Bruce. It starts with a, there's, it's, a, it's like a dude with like feathered hair. And, uh, and I guess you answered the question, right? <laughs> we don't know who the number one player is off the top of our heads. Not a good sign. So, not a good sign. Not a good sign. And we do the sports assist for a living. <laughs> yeah. And to be so, fair, you and I are both golf skeptic. I, I I am not a golf fan. I'm not a golfer myself. I live in the South. Every time I tell someone I don't play golf, they're like, oh, does that mean you forgot your clubs? I'm like, no, that means I don't play golf. So to be, right. that's who you're listening to. So keep that in mind. However, but I don't watch Formula One racing, but I know who Lewis Hamilton is. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly. I don't watch a lot of soccer, but I know who Ronaldo is. Yes. I couldn't tell you who won the Masters last year. My interest in the sport aside, there has not been a figure in that sport that's been able to reach the casual or even the non-fan the way that Tiger Woods has. So to answer your question, I don't know what golf is going to do because it's had plenty of opportunities to figure it out. Tiger has had injuries. He's had rehab. He's had absences for personal reasons. So there's been plenty of opportunities over this 20 some years, 25 years since he's won his first championship. I believe it was in Vegas in 1996. And I didn't even follow golf and I knew that. Um, <laughs> they've had plenty of opportunity to try to find someone, prop that person up and get them ready to assume the mantle. And they have not been able to do that. And I just tend to think that when Tiger finally says goodbye, golf would just go back to being whatever it was for people before Tiger, which is a niche sport for diehard fans. Now, it's still going to generate a lot of money because those who do participate tend to be more affluent than those who aren't. But at the end of the day, in terms of its place in pop culture or the larger cultural conversation, it's going to continue to fade into the background because... It's not really fun to watch to me. <laughs> Some people like to nap to it. I've heard people like to nap to it, which is a good sign. You know, I know there are people who say they, they like having it on in the background, like white noise. And I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> then I just mean, play a rainstorm yeah. on your Sonos or it's something the time like that. Of, it's the time of the year for Yule Logs. <laughs> Put on the Netflix 10-hour Yule, Yule Log. Exactly. But this was a criticism of golf when Tiger was at his peak, right? When Tiger was at his peak, a lot of people were mentioning, listen, you guys have put every single egg in the tiger basket right now. And I get why they would. I think you can make an argument for a couple of years that he was the biggest figure in sports. I always remember when Obama was inaugurated, they had a little event off the mall and they had all the celebrities come out there. There were huge names like Stevie Wonder was there, like incredible, huge, huge names were there. They went to Tiger Woods, they said, and now Tiger Woods. And it was almost this like notion that Tiger Woods being there was one of the greatest honors that Barack Obama could get. He was that transcendent of a figure. Now, it was very shortly thereafter when it all came tumbling down with the previous accident, the one that happened over Thanksgiving, and then everything that came out about that. I blame but, the tree. You know what? I've had enough of trees, just generally. <laughs> get out of here. I feel like there may have been other factors as well. Who knows? The point is, it does feel like golf was warned about this. 
they were warned. Tiger was such a cash guy. There was like everybody was making so much money off Tiger, Tiger included. He's 46 years old, but if he hadn't had these injuries, he could still theoretically compete. Phil right. Mickelson just won a major and at 50, that's older than you'd expect. But no 51 year olds are winning the NBA title. Maybe Tom Brady will do oh, it. Oh, we got to see what happens with LeBron. Yeah, maybe Brady. Maybe Brady. <laughs> Brady. It, feels, yeah. it feels like there's, a, there's a couple of dudes that yeah. didn't get the memo. It feels like a black swan event if that were to happen. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Tiger, it felt like they were counting on it, right? It felt like they were counting on him just being this all four quadrant thing for all people in perpetuity. And when that collapsed, and remember, he didn't win another major until 2019 after that incident. That was a long, that was nearly a decade that he didn't win a single title. He was supposed to pass Jack Nicholas. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. They weren't prepared. I had friends that worked in the golf world, and I would say things like, are you guys maybe going too big on Tiger? And you know what they always said? The thing is, Tiger brings in a new audience. We're creating new golf fans that would have never been here before because of who Tiger is. And, and it turns out, yeah, it turns it turn out, out you that just way. created Tiger fans. Yeah, and like not only are numbers down, there has been no change in the demographics of the average golf fan. They've gotten older. <laughs> but other right. than that, there are no young fans. There's not a diverse fan base. All that thing that they would said that Tiger would naturally make on his own, it just hasn't happened. And so they went all in with him. And when that collapsed, golf went back to being a niche sport. Now, listen, if you love golf, if you're listening to this, listen, I love college basketball. College basketball is a much more niche sport than it used to be. But I love college basketball, so I don't care. I still get to watch everything. If you love golf, Keep loving golf. Do your thing with Byron and Bruce and Justin something or another. Got to be a Justin in there somewhere. (laughs) Justin, a Brent. Like, there's definitely a Brent. Oh, God, not a Brent. There's definitely a Brent somewhere. (laughs) This is not to say that, like, the sport is going to die or it's going to fall apart. No, But it does feel like there was an opportunity missed or maybe an irrational exuberance that Tiger made them think golf was bigger than it really was. You know what it really is like? It's really like... Madonna and Michael Jackson getting popular just as MTV was launching. You can throw Prince in there too, I guess. Mm. Maybe Bon Jovi, though I think Bon Jovi came a little bit after MTV was established. But certainly at the beginnings, Madonna and Michael Jackson, they were able to take advantage of this new sort of phenomenon, right? That helped elevate their music, which was already fantastic. And because of that elevation, they were able to take advantage of this moment in time. It was like catching lightning in a bottle. Tiger was able to do that too, because he was a phenomenal golfer, still is a phenomenal golfer, but certainly at his beginnings, he was this incredible golfer. And he was something we hadn't seen before, ethnically, racially. We hadn't seen that before in an American. And so it was the perfect storm. So it's hard for a sport that didn't really permeate through pop culture in a real holistic way before that perfect storm to find a way to maintain this storm without the creation of that storm or the creator or the impetus behind that storm. So in a lot of ways, it makes sense for golf not to be able to maintain this popularity after Tiger Woods because it only had the popularity because of Tiger Woods. It wasn't the sport. Yeah, it had this transcendent figure and they were able to take advantage of it, but not necessarily make it larger because of that. It's interesting too, because Tiger Woods was not as huge as he was because he had this scintillating personality. He was not right. this outspoken. No, he's boring. He was really boring. He famously yeah. gave an interview to Charlie Pierce and Golf Digester in the late 90s. And he made a couple off-color jokes. And after that, he just shut down. And like then he became a Nike swoosh. I mean, let's not get ourselves. He became right. the representation of corporate sports in a way that I would argue has made it worse. Whereas Jordan and like to lesser extent, Derek Jeter sanded off all the rough edges to make this perfect corporate person. Yes. He had the personality of a Buick. Right. Like like he was like there was something about him that everybody loves Tiger. What do you know about Tiger? He's great. He's great. He's a good example. He's a good example. He's a a good role model. He's a family man. Yeah, exactly. And so when that collapsed, everything collapsed and it collapsed in unbelievable fashion. I will never forget that press conference where he apologized to his wife and mom. They were standing right there. I think that he became a corporate sponsor or a corporate logo instead of a person. And I think that probably led him to make some of the poor decisions in his personal life because how could he not, right? He was a human being, but was never advertised as a human being. And that's why golf was never prepared because golf is such a corporate sport. It's run by corporate people. It's played by corporate people. Because of that, he was so perfect for that sport too. I think it's interesting that he never inspired this whole new generation of golfers other than the fact that he hit the ball far. 
he's revolutionized the game in that regard. But they look differently because they yeah. train differently now, and that's a tiger effect. A lot of people don't like that about golf now. They think it's too much about power hitting. It's not about finesse. Some people don't. That's just fat, out of shape people complaining they can't hang anymore. Totally agree. Totally agree. I'm just saying that some people <laughs> do say that. I think one of the reasons that he never inspired those new generation golfers is people just didn't know who he was. He was less a new, exciting player as much as he was a, oh, perhaps he will open up a new revenue stream and a new uh, customer base. And I think that was the way he was treated. We've talked in the past on this podcast about how the story of LeBron, of who he was at the beginning and how he was able to take that on his shoulders and who he became is one of the greatest sports stories of really our time. I think Tiger is what happens. He got similar fame, similarly young age, but did not go through some of the changes and self-awareness I think LeBron went through. And I think because of that, Tiger never really got a personality and became kind of what happened is basically the best way well, to put it. There's well, also the aspect of it that he never really embraced what people were trying to heap on him in terms of responsibility to diversify the audience and diversify the participants. That doesn't mean that he didn't try to lend his resources to open the doors for people of color in this sport. Not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that he didn't carry that banner the way that LeBron James is carrying that banner, right? Or the way that Venus and Serena have carried that banner for tennis in terms of, yes, we want to get brown girls in this sport, or yes, we want to help brown people vote. That wasn't Tiger Woods, right? Tiger Woods, to your point, was way more corporate. And I think because he didn't readily embrace that aspect of his identity and what he meant to the sport and what he meant to the country, and what he actually meant to the world, a lot of people of color anyway, kind of were turned off by that, like on, hey, yeah, you cool and everything, but you ain't really trying to fuck with us like that. So we ain't trying to fuck with you like that. The thing they kept telling me was he's going to inspire all these black golfers. It's going to happen. Oh, child, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, that did not. Nah, it wasn't, it wasn't def- like that. That definitely <laughs> did not happen at all. The people that love Tiger Woods, they benefited a lot from telling themselves that. Well, you know, I'll it's because they that. think if you just roll out a black body, that means diversity has arrived. And it's like, all right, no, that means you have a black body on the court. You have a black body on the field. You have a black body on the course. Doesn't mean that you've decided that you're going to have a diverse and inclusive sport. It just means you have one person, one outlier who is able to to make through all the crap and exceed. Don't conflate the two. But I will watch Tiger this weekend and then not golf again until Tiger plays again. Okay, Will, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we're going to talk with one Michelle Beadle about LeBron. He tried to get me fired, James, (laughs) and the decision and why all of that still matters. The Long Game with L.D. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. All right, LZ, we are back. What a weird person to have any input on your life. But, you know, I think he just, he had a person at the network that he wanted. He wanted her to be the the, the host of it. He, he does not like me. And I, I honestly have stopped trying to figure out why. But for some reason, it goes back years. I've been around Maverick Carter. He refused to shake my hand. I, I have no idea why. That was Michelle Beadle, formerly of ESPN, now the host of the Athletics What Did I Miss podcast, telling Ethan Strauss on his House of Strauss podcast about how LeBron James tried to get her fired from ESPN. Mm. Fired! Fired! Because she made fun of the decision. The 2010 ESPN show in which LeBron announced that he was leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers 
to play for the Miami Heat. Um, and this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. 13.1 million people watched the decision, even though LeBron donated over $2 million in ad revenues to the boys and girls clubs across the country. It set off a firestorm of protests, mainly sparked by Cleveland fans, that turned LeBron into a villain and engulfed him for a long time. Here to talk about the decision, how it affected her personally, and why it remains controversial even to this day, is none other than, hey, Michelle Beadle. <laughs> Hello, Michelle. Elsie, I don't know if you know that this is Michelle Beadle. Hi, Elsie. Hey there. Very nice meeting you. You as I well, recall sir. the last time I saw you, you had your fingers in my mom's macaroni and cheese. Wow, that sounds way dirtier than it should. So certainly, uh, like, there were several directions that uh, sentence was going. That was making right? it really I got really tense. I was like, where, I was like, oh, where are my fingers? How are we going to get back on LeBron here? We can't. <laughs> First of all, we want to have you on because you're great and you're awesome. So thank oh, you. Thank you. I feel like there's been a ton of revisions in the last few years about the decision. That was clearly one of the first times where a player really took a lot of control over his own career and did it in a very public way. And so I think now people kind of look back and like, see, that's what started this off. Why were people so mad at him at the time? And I'm like, well, here's why people were mad at him yeah. at the time. And here's this, this, and this. It wasn't so much that he left Cleveland. It was the commercialism of it. There was a crassness to it. And so I'm curious because one of the theories proffered as to the antipathy from Camp LeBron against Michelle Beadle. I love that word, antipathy. Yeah, me too. Ooh, wow. I don't understand antipathy toward Michelle Beadle. So this is the only thing it could possibly be. The idea that you had also spoken out against the decision as well. And LeBron may have had a long memory on that. Honestly, my interactions with LeBron James are like one, like two, maybe. I think there's a, during the London Olympics, I got like a DM message from him that was nice, nothing weird about it. Da da da. So it's just I don't have a history with LeBron James other than things I've said on the air. Now you got to remember, like <laughs> when I said what I said, whatever that might have been. By the way, mm. the thing is, I don't even remember. I know what I felt about it, so I'm sure I can make it up now. But it was on a show called Sports Nation. This was not the show that was like serious. It was just goofy and we did weird games. Wait, we weren't and we supposed had to be serious? Yeah, right? Like it was, it was, <sighs> I don't know. Like I get Skip Bayless. That guy spends every single day talking about him and all that. I get all that. But all I said, I mocked the decision because I just thought it was such a, it was such an ego maniacal moment. Do I give a crap? No, of course not. Do I think people should go where they want? I always have thought that. I just thought the show of it was a little bit much. But then again, it's a man who calls himself the king. And so all of it made sense. But if that is the reason, and look, I'll never know what the reason was. And I'm sure I'll be called a liar for saying that this happened, even though it did. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, at this point, I don't even care because it's just become such a funny story especially for my friends. <laughs> that it's just It is what it is. Like it happened. It happened over two years ago now. And yeah, it's weird. I have no idea. It is weird. I have no idea what went on behind the scenes, but I do know that the NBA coverage at ESPN has gone through a lot of different people. That's so I don't true. know if it's solely just LeBron James deciding who should be no. where because clearly... They're still shuffling around a lot of pieces. Yeah. Sage Steele, then you, then Rachel Nichols, then Maria, now Malika, God knows who's next. Yeah. But, you know, one of the reasons why I think that TNT has been, you know, king of this is because of their consistency. Mm -hmm. They said, oh, this works. Let's lean into it as opposed to oh, it's been six months now. We don't have the numbers we want. Let's bring in somebody new. You know, wanting certain numbers. If that is your holy grail, you're never going to sniff it. Shaq and, and Charles, those are two monster personalities. You don't just right. find those guys every single day. And that's fine. But more than that, they have let them marinate and breathe and yeah. just be. Like they're not sitting by the phone waiting for the league to call and then cower and change everything last second. It's such an effortless and seamless show to watch. Ernie's the best at doing what he does. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. you can't recreate that, but you can certainly try and do your own version but you gotta like you gotta chill you gotta yeah. chill i remember back when the, when the decision happened one of the things that was really remarkable about it i was like wait a second so there's just an hour of this network that covers the nba and writes about these guys has a whole website devoted to writing about them here's just an hour we're giving it to lebron the interview is with someone that doesn't even work for espn they, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, that, was, that, was, that weird. was fun that was weird <laughs> so it felt like this hour is yours at the time i was like my god how could they be so blatantly in bed with the nba now that way and now i'm like 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I understand how this works. And I feel like that's something that's changed since that time. You two would know, of course, better than me. But there was a crossing of lines between ESPN business interests and NBA's business interests. And I don't know if there was a crossing of lines. There, I'm sure there was a blurring. That, I, don't th- I don't think there was ever a division. And I think that's part. <laughs> there were no I, lines I, I mean to cross. Well, exactly. And I, I don't mean that it's throwing shade or anything like that. It's no. just sort of like there was an assumption that people naturally respected the division because divisions exist in network news, divisions existed in radio, divisions existed in newspapers for sure. Right. And then all of a sudden comes this network in which it's said to hell with divisions. <laughs> and it was more entertainment tonight-ish than it was 60 Minutes. But I think for whatever reasons, maybe it was because the people on camera were so talented and you had Bob Lee as such a force that it gave the impression that ESPN was more 60 Minutes. But now we see it's more Entertainment Tonight, where there is this sort of cohesive relationship between the two industries. Well, and I also think, and you guys can attest to this, there was a time where this was the only way messages would get out, you know, whether it be radio, TV, writing. But these guys, they don't need anybody. They don't need any of us. They certainly right. don't need any TV. They don't need anything. They can just go on their social media, reach 100 million people and call it a day. So it's it's that fear, I think, of losing total access is what's going to make this never go back. There's no going back now. Right. Like, right. If anything, TV will just be shut out altogether. But yeah. If you poop on the product too much, like that's it. You get no more access. And then what? Now, what is your job exactly? So I get it. I understand that fear of pissing off the wrong people because then you're going to have to learn a new skill, I guess. <laughs> if what we do can be called Whoa. a skill. <laughs> like, I don't know what that could be. But... Is that an option? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Trust me, I, I was like, I thought about Ubering, but then I was like, I don't want to get stabbed. I mean, it's like a whole thing. I've thought yeah, about back to plans. It's always disturbing. It's always disturbing. I, I do want to push back on one thing, though, Will. Uh. Because, and, and you too, Michelle. Oh. Because... LeBron James didn't start calling himself king. Oh, please. The media did first. Please. And he embraced it. Look, the media could call me Big Dog, and I'm not going to start calling myself Big Dog. Oh, by the way, Glenn Robinson was called Big Dog. Fine. And I think the media media also gave him that name. I want to be clear, by the way. If the media ever starts calling me Big Dog, I will accept it. (laughs) Just to be clear. Like, the media can call you whatever they want. But I I guess my my point being is that someone was trying to be clever. King James, name after the Bible, blah, blah, blah. We all get it. He embraced it. And it just kind of became his moniker, very much like Magic became the moniker, but Magic didn't start calling himself Magic. Someone else called him Magic, and then he embraced it. So I don't think But isn't that... Magic slightly less obnoxious than The King? Not Magic? King, the King. Magic is Magic. How did he do it? Magic. Magic's awesome. Magic is magic like- Magic is this, awesome. Yeah, it's like this whole like mysterious universe thing. The King is some insinuation that you are just now- like, I just can't. It's on his shoes. I can't. <laughs> I totally get it. I understand it. I'm just saying that I think sometimes he gets blamed for things that he didn't have anything to do with it starting. The nickname being one of them, being called the chosen one with Sports Illustrated. He wasn't 15, 16 years old saying, this should be the headline. This was adults that chose to do this. Which is gross. And then when it comes to the decision, you can make fun of the end product for sure, but don't skip over how we got here which was everyone from President Obama to every freaking personality on television trying to figure out where LeBron James was going to go. He was actually saying, I want to wait until the end of the season to make the decision. Right. We're the ones that were saying, no, tell us now, tell us now, tell us now. But that's fine. Well, we should be able to just do that and be annoying and beat on the door. And at the end of the day, ultimately, it's up to the person how they want to handle it. And I don't want to hear it because I'm sure inevitably you're going to get that wait, wait, all the money went to the boys and girls. Club. Yeah, shut to the up. Girls club. Just shut up. You can write that check quietly on your own time. You didn't need one hour of good lighting and Jim Gray sitting in a weird room with children. It was so over the top. That's all it was. Yeah. And you by the way, was and, good lighting? and hear me out. Well, <laughs> as good as it can be. Let me hear, hear me out on this. Wouldn't it have been cooler in the legacy of all legacies to just Simply have been like, P.S., I'm going here. Boom, done. I don't need a bunch of fanfare. I don't need an hour buildup. Just, I'm going here. You guys want to know? Here's what's going to happen. Boom, see you there. But that's like saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if Hollywood just released a movie instead of having a red carpet premiere? Yeah, I hate red carpets. (laughs) They're awful. (laughs) No, no, no. We met Luke Skywalker on a red carpet. How dare you? Okay, one good moment does not equal (laughs) worth it. But I I find it telling, and Michelle, this is one of the reasons I I thought it would be really fun to have you on, is 
this clearly is the worst publicity that LeBron ever got. For a long time, I thought, man, will we ever come back on LeBron after this? Like, it was a wow. disaster. It was a PR disaster for him. It clearly still gnaws at him. And I think sure. you can look at his public persona since then has been more calculated, more careful, more kind of four quadrant, whether it's being in the movie, but you know, well, being in the Amy Schumer movie. Argue, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I would argue, though, that while it's maybe gnawing at him, it still gnaws at a lot of other people, too. But wait, you know, but it's, we, it's, it's part of the reason why... There are a lot of people that hate on his championships because they don't feel like they're legitimate because he went to Miami. There are a lot of people. See, that's not me. That I, is I not know, me. I know, I know. Yeah. But there are certain people who have that sort of mentality. Yeah, that's a whole different issue with a person. The not thinking another human has the right to sort of dictate right. their future and their career. and their, I don't get that. I don't understand that sentiment and I don't because think that sentiment doesn't shows. apply to us, doesn't right. apply to my yeah. parents, it doesn't right. apply to my friends. Every single one of us has the option to like change everything up and go wherever the hell we want to go. That I've never gotten. That's the thing about it. My yeah. mocking of the decision was strictly on a superficial optics level. Yeah. As far as the message and what it was and what it meant for him moving, I don't care. Go wherever you want. That doesn't bother me. Who doesn't want to live in Miami versus Cleveland? Good I Lord. I mean, seriously, girl. Like, are we even talking about that? <laughs> like, <it was> just, <laughs> like, I, I remember <laughs> a lot of people consider me a LeBron apologist. Fine, whatever. I'll take the... Uh, the I'll be the, one of those. Thank you very much. I know that you will, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to your point, it's not just he decided to work somewhere else. <laughs> He's born and raised in that area. He decided to try to live somewhere else, too, at this point in his life. He didn't even go to college. Yeah, see, He yeah. spent his whole life living and working in the Cleveland area. Why yeah. not try Miami? Right? There's an <laughs> underlying <laughs> uncomfortable aspect to when people make the argument about athletes deciding for their own lives. For me, that starts to venture into some weirdness. Like, who the hell are you? Why does it bother you so much that a mm -hmm. grown ass man has decided for himself what he wants it? Like there's some underlying stuff to that that has never made me feel good. And so that's why I always just thought decision, mock, yes. Reason, no, perfectly fine. Right. If he hadn't got as much he's he gotten, would he have gone back to Cleveland and made sure he won the championship? Because that was the most beloved he ever was, was for after sure. he won that championship in Cleveland. Look, it all turned out okay because he got them a title anyway. Yeah, they had and, to dig out their jerseys out of the fires. Yeah, and exactly. Shake off Dusting them off. <laughs> this thing isn't so bad. No, it's it's, it's a little tight, baby. But, but I no, feel like yeah. that's telling, right? The fact that he took such a hit for that, that was one of the things that pushed him back to come back and do that. It's a great point. But I, look, it's also, it's a hell of a story. Who doesn't have these sort of heroic dreams about returning to whatever it is that they think they left behind? I'm going to go back and I'm going to be a hero and I'm going to make the town great. I mean, every Hallmark Christmas movie, for God's sakes, is about that. I'm going to mm. save my parents' farm. <laughs> like, okay, great. And in the meantime, enjoy Christmas and fall in love with the prince. And right. so that's why I think it made sense, even if it wasn't some weirdly deep-rooted issue that he had because he wanted to make up for some bad PR. I just think it's like a perfectly written out, wow, you returned, mm. you gave him a ring, go do what you want to do now. Everybody's cool. Should have been cool anyways, but it is a perfect ribbon on top of that one, I think. I mean, yeah. it was well scripted. <laughs> and I think it's been generally cool for him among coverage since then. He gets trapped from the political realm. Oh, sure. that, that's a different thing. But I think generally among people that cover sports and write about sports, I think it's generally been positive since then. I disagree. Really? I disagree. Yeah. Now it seems like there's been a real effort to try to say that he's washed. <laughs> you mean athletically? Yeah, like as a basketball player, because I huh. think now we've entered a phase in which we're just over him, period. There seems to be a, a level of boredom with some of our colleagues. Oh, that's fair. If you look at some of the coverage this year, when they talk about why the Lakers are a bad team, and they talk about LeBron and is this the end and blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, the man is averaging over 26 points a game in that 50% shooting. And then the guy gets suspended for scratching... Detroit Pistons center and since he's come back he's averaged 30 points a game what is, wrong <laughs> he is it GM LeBron that they're mocking or is it players because there's, I think, I think you're gonna get all both. of it well you, you yeah. should get both yeah. I think Bleacher Report did this long story about how he's shooting more jumpers than ever before and well, I'm he's like older yeah. What, no, and oh, by the way, the entire league is yeah, shooting more yeah, jumpers than right. ever before. But like, I also don't <laughs> expect him to drive the lane and put his body. Why? This is all about longevity for him. He has done everything a human being could possibly do to stretch this thing out as far as possible. Whether or not the motive is to to one day play with his kid, even if it's for like a minute, that's fine. That's all cool stuff. But 
he's getting older. The game should change for him. The other guys are all younger. I don't think he's washed. I just think time is unbeatable, and that's mm. what we're watching. I also think that what they put together there is not a, a recipe for success. But <laughs> that's a different and that's and that he takes heat for that too because we're not idiots. Right. That's his team. He did it. Now you have to deal with it. Yeah, no one went into a room and said, "Sorry, LeBron, this is your team now. Accept it." <laughs> like, clearly, <laughs> no, he was no one treated him like Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? right. <laughs> yes. Isn't that so crazy? Oh, it's that's so like cra- the craziest thing. It's I don't weird. Even, I don't understand. It's weird. So. The conversation started with this idea that he wanted you fired from yeah. ESPN. Yeah, he just wanted me not doing that show. Like, whatever that meant. My question now to you is, looking back on it, <laughs> <laughs> on all of it, not just what he may or may not have been involved with with ESPN in terms of the NBA, but just all of it, is there anything that you wish would have happened differently? I loved my time there. I love the people that I still have in my life as a result of it. And to be honest, because I had thought about this because of the dirty games that that get played behind the scenes, whether it be an on-air person lying to the media and trying to frame a narrative that's not true, but, you know, paints me in a bad light. Like those are things that happened. And my normal gut reaction to something like that would be to just immediately fight back, just lash out like a wild, crazy dog and play the same games. And I never did. And so when I had time to think about it and and even care about it, I don't think I would have changed that because I don't like the idea that jobs are supposed to be fought for in media by painting other people to bad light. To me, that says, A, you, you don't have any sort of security in your own abilities, but also just a, a just a crappy way to live your life. And so, yeah, I don't think so. I think if anything, I, I learned a lot. I learned that don't count on anybody else to have your back. Doesn't matter what kind of investment they've put in you. That's uh, that hurts, Michelle. Like, I, well, I know, I know. At the end of the day, look, Elsie, I can't trust you as far as I can throw you. I know that. Oh, no. You should hear the stuff I say to the producers behind when Elsie's right, right. not on. Constantly undermining him in every opportunity. Oh, no yeah, you should turn your mic off next time because I've heard every single word. Oh, I am terrified of these pieces of equipment, by the way. Like, I have these bad well, visions. Well, we have evidence. Oh, as what, 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 what you'd be referring to? I don't know what you're oh, talking God. about. I'm like, I'll go in the kitchen and have like a conversation and I'll be like, is anything in there picking this up? Oh my God, this, how does this work? Like, I'm turning yeah. it all off every time I'm done. It's all Bezos. <laughs> Bezos has got it all. I hate it. But yeah, no, I wouldn't change the damn thing because I did it right. Like, I know I did it right and I'm comfortable with that. Michelle, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your irreverence. Oh. <laughs> That's right. I said wisdom. That's, That's right. That's right. Did you it's write not, this but down? I feel like I should say that to you. Yeah, because I was going to say, this doesn't sound like you. It's what the producer wrote down for me as a script. That yeah, makes you got sense. it. You got it. <laughs> Anyway, your podcast, What Did I Miss, comes out every... Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Don't say it. Monday, Wednesday, yeah, Friday. Don't say it. I was recently on. Yes. It's absolutely amazing. And you can listen to it anywhere you get your podcast. Yeah, that sounds right. Or there's yeah. like a secret list I don't know about. Podcasts yeah, no. come from the sky now. Yeah, like that's what I keep snap thinking. your fingers. Because somebody goes, where do you get it? I was like, I don't know. Wherever no, the podcast is. From the cloud. <laughs> from the cloud. <laughs> say it loud enough and it will be delivered. It will be conjured from the air. Just hope it. for it and it'll be there. Yeah, Damn it. Exactly. There, there you go. There you go. Well, I hope you come back to us, speaking of hope. I hope so, too. Yes. Well, yes. also, I'm going to bother you at some point. You don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> Ooh. What did I miss? Michelle Beadle. <laughs> Okay, Will, it's time for This Week in Sports History, where we break down an event from the past through the lens of 2021. I'm just so proud of uh, what happened today. Uh, Our football team deserves to be the world's champs, and that's exactly what they are. And there aren't many uh, teams that, there aren't any teams that have ever won the world championship and won everything else, too. And uh, so I think that this football team will now be recognized for their accomplishments. That was head coach Don Shula talking about his historic 1972 Miami Dolphins immediately after they won a Super Bowl to cap an unforgettable year. 49 years ago this week on December 16th, 1972, the Dolphins shut out the Baltimore Colts, well, the Baltimore Colts, to finish the regular season with a perfect 14-0 record on its way to becoming the only team ever to win it all while remaining undefeated. To this day, at least some of the surviving members of that squad still pop champagne every year whenever the last unbeaten NFL team loses its first game. Or if you're the Lions, when you win your first game. Anyway, Will, is it finally time for them to end this ridiculous yet adorable tradition? 
Adorable. I find it less adorable. I have to say, I don't find this as charming as, as everybody. I don't. For the record, congratulations. They were undefeated at a time where no one was noting it. It's not like they got to eight and no, like, can they do it? It's like, no, it's just like a thing that happened, right? It's so early on in the early days of the Super Bowl, the NFL was not the thing that it is now. They didn't have a bunch of obnoxious old men waiting to light cigars the minute that poor Kyler Murray doesn't get to play. Oh, I knew you couldn't do it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's weird, too, because I understand there's a certain amount of pride to it. But the game is so different. A, there's more games, a lot more games now worth remembering. The idea that the sport is played at such a more violent level, there's more teams, there's more everything. Listen, I think it's impressive. It speaks to how hard the NFL is that there hasn't been one. It seems almost kind of surprising. The Patriots obviously came close, Mm -hmm. but it feels a little bit like when you're at the bar and someone played quarterback in high school and they just won't shut up about it. Listen, and that's great, but you're supposed to wear your success lightly like a jacket. They do. Oh, yeah, I can tell by the dancing and cigars and all the (laughs) exciting things they can do. It's a dinner jacket. They're dancing at the club. (laughs) (laughs) So I understand why they do it. I do kind of roll my eyes a little bit each year, though, I will confess. I love it. (laughs) I absolutely love it. I love the fact that they have this record and that there's a good chance that everyone that's attached to that squad is going to pass on in the afterlife and they're going to go on thinking that record has never been broken. I love it because it's a tremendous achievement. The athletes today are better than the ones that they were of yesteryear. I get it. But you know what? Undefeated is undefeated. And they were undefeated in that era. They deserve all the accolades. I think it's adorable. I love watching the gray-haired dudes who can barely get up and move go, ah, the young ones, they fell short again. (laughs) To me, that is what sports is also about. It's about looking back and reminiscing. And they are able, year in and year out, to reminisce and think about not just the end result, but the conversations they had amongst themselves on their way to that end result. You're right. There wasn't this huge marketing machine that was going at 8-0, and can they do it? But someone in that locker room asked the question, and someone in that locker room answered it. And someone else had a response to that. And there were conversations. And when I think about them celebrating the undefeated season, I'm also thinking about them thinking about those conversations. Maybe there were a couple of players who were like going, ah, we're not going to do it. And when they did it, they were able to go, told ya! We don't know <laughs> if there were bets. So yeah. I think about all of it. It's not just about 14-0 and and the Baltimore Colts. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the camaraderie that came with that season and how for that moment in time, they were invincible. And every now and then, while their bodies are hurting and there's frailty there, obviously, and they can see their mortality barreling towards their way, mm-hmm. they can look back at that moment and remind themselves of what it felt like to be invincible. So I love it. I'm glad they're the team that did it. And it wasn't like a John Elway team or a Dan Marino <laughs> team that would just never. They're obviously good football players, but there's no like Barkley, right? Right. He would never shut up about it. There is something a little charming about the fact that we don't actually hear from any of these people the rest of the year. Right. <laughs> they just kind of pop up. I will grant that. And you're right. It is about remembering those moments. Because again, I know you're not getting older, but I'm getting older. And I find myself looking back thinking, wow, so few people know what it's like to watch Ozzie Smith play shortstop. Jordan played in a pre-HD era. Larry Bird talked about this one time, right? Of the idea that you know they're going to forget. If you didn't see it, you're going to forget. You and I are going to be talking about LeBron in 30 years. And they'll be like, oh, he's not better than Bronny Jr. Bronny (laughs) Jr., whoever. whoever Bronny's pulling up from the free throw line (laughs) at the other side of the court. So I do think there is value because you're right. I find it annoying when people are like, well, baseball was better in this day and basketball is better in this day because it wasn't. But that's not actually what they're doing. They're just saying, Every team we played, we beat, and no one else has done it. Elsie, I think you've actually talked me into finding this a yes. little bit less obnoxious this year. Every year, I have to say, I've always found it obnoxious, but I think I might be wrong. I think I might be wrong. I think you've talked <laughs> me out of it. Good, good. You know, I was at the Super Bowl when the Patriots lost to the Giants that year. And for a good 10 minutes, I was mad at the Giants because I wanted to be present for history. Yeah. And then as the shots started to make their way towards my lips, <laughs> do you believe it was tequila that night? Uh-huh. I realized that I was present for history. Yeah. It was still history. Yeah, yeah. 
it wasn't the history I expected, but it was the history that I got. And sports teaches you to embrace all of it, the highs, the lows, the emotions attached to it. And as I said, I love it that those guys get to have that moment season in and season out. LZ completely talked me off my point into a perspective different than the one I had when we started the podcast. Let's try not to make a habit out of this if we could. <laughs> That'll be about enough of that. Okay, LZ, let's move on to our games of the week. LZ, what is your game of the week? Ah, back to football, my friend. AFC matchup to die for. KC Chiefs versus the Chargers, where you have a quarterback and Mr. Herbert, who at least statistically is right there with Patrick Mahomes. I think he's thrown for maybe one more touchdown. He's thrown for a few interceptions. But statistically speaking, they're both neck and neck. This is a huge opportunity for him to prove that he's not just someone who is playing well this season, but he's actually someone who will be competing against Patrick Mahomes for MVPs, competing for the face of the NFL, competing for possible Super Bowl championships. I know that sounds like a lot to heap on the young man, but he's that freaking talented. He's that freaking good. And oh, by the way, once upon a time, Patrick Mahomes was the Justin Herbert in the conversation. He had a throw last week, that one highlight throw. I was like, oh, there's like maybe two people on earth that have ever been able to do that. I did not realize how good he was. He He's is good, man. He is very, very good. So I have perhaps a uh, more upsetting game of the week, which is to say Uh-oh. it's a game I hope happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing we've not really talked about so far on this show is, hey, a bunch of athletes are getting COVID again. Oh, uh, yeah. The Chicago Bulls have uh, postponed two of their games. And the, and the NFL, I think, had like 30 cases on Monday. The NHL, I think the Calgary Flames have had to stop. It feels in the day of Omicron, there may be more and more of this coming. <laughs> Now, on Zach Lowe's podcast the other day, he was talking about how a lot of athletes on the Bulls are particularly frustrated because no one's sick. No one Mm. feels sick. Everyone feels very protected. They've all been boosted. He says it would not be shocking at some point to see a team be able to like, listen, can we just play? (laughs) Like, can we just play even if there's a positive case on the team? Because we'll see if that happens. It doesn't happen. But it certainly feels like sports are going into a new phase of the pandemic at this point, which is why I'm pointing to Sunday, December 19th, your Lakers will mm-hmm. be hopefully traveling to the United Center in Chicago. That is the next scheduled game. We'll see. Maybe people are listening to this and they've heard that game's already been canceled. But the Bulls were the first team to have games canceled of this NBA season. Uh, I think someone said there's a stat that there have been more positive cases in the NBA this year than there were last year, which is concerning, <laughs> I would say. So this is the first time we've seen games get canceled. Hopefully that December 19th game will get played and this is a blip rather than a start of something new. And finally, we all know that there are teams, executives, players, etc., who mess things up in sports. So let's dive into this week's screw up, shall we? What's your blunder of the week? This is a way out of his blunder, but Spencer Rattler heading into the season, the quarterback for Oklahoma, widely considered not just the Heisman favorite, but the example of what new NIL legislation would do. We would all know Spencer Rattler. He would be everywhere when he won the Heisman, and then he played two games and lost his starting job. Well, he is playing now for South Carolina. He transferred this week, so he's going to South Carolina. He now has to listen to Sandstorm constantly, which makes me feel terrible for him. So I love South Carolina, but Oklahoma down to South Carolina in one year, that strikes me me as a bit of a blunder. So sorry, Spencer Radler. You have a cool name, but now you play in Columbia, South Carolina. No offense oh, to Columbia, South Carolina. Sounds but very you offensive should to move, me. But you should move from Columbia, <laughs> South Carolina. Well, buddy, my blunder of the week is not very far from where your blunder was. The Jacksonville Jaguars. You can keep fronting like hiring Urban Meyer wasn't a mistake. You go right ahead and keep fronting if you want to, but we're all laughing at you, baby. We're laughing at you yeah. because it's embarrassing. What he has done to your franchise, which is saying a lot. Yeah, because you were were pretty embarrassing before he got there. What a burn to watch Gardner Minshew go to Philadelphia, start, and have that hell of a performance. Now, of course, it was against the Jets. You got to take it with a grain of salt, but that used to be yours. And you dumped him for Trevor, who looks awful, and you hired a coach because he was great in college and he looks awful. And I just keep looking like, man. It could have been something special, but now you're just, I don't even know what you are. Uh, 
Ray Ratto at The Defector has said that they should not fire Urban. They should make him spin it out for four years because he's obviously <laughs> going to get fired. It's a disaster. He's in the death spiral already, but he still has four year, more years in his contract. Ugh. Wouldn't that be hilarious if they just make him follow it out? Just four more years oh, of Urban Meyer of just like stepping on rakes. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> It's such a blunder. You should have interviewed other people, uh. like NFL coaches. <laughs> and that's our show for the week. Thanks, everyone. Hey, wait a minute. Will is supposed to do this because he's supposed to do the names. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. There we go. Fine. And that's our show for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening to The Long Game with LZ and Leach. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Long Game is Don't produced by... Don't listen to a word of this crap. <laughs> oh, if you yes, yes, just saying yes, it, it's yes, probably yes. bullshit. This is the hard It's certainly bullshit. The man is this, full of bullshit. It's true. This is certainly full better. of bullshit. Wow. You tell him. I can't hear what LZ oh, is saying, but I'm sure it's smarter than whatever Leach just said. Because Leach is full of bullshit. If that doesn't end up in the show... This <laughs> oh, that definitely has to end up in the show. Look at that. I know. You got to meet the bosses and stuff. But now I've forgotten how to pronounce everybody's names. So Excellent. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Long Game with LZ and Leach. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Long Game is produced by Pierre Bienname, Megan Burney, Rizel Guevara, Guevara. It's just the A. I'm going to do that again. The long <laughs> This is going to end up on the out. No, it's not. No, this is going to end up on the no, out. No, they're going to put John on there. <clears throat> okay, one more time. The Long Game is produced by Pierre Bienname, Megan Burning, Rizal Guevara, and Marshall Eisen. Our engineer is Aaliyah Jackson. Music is by David Wilson. We'll be back next Wednesday for a breakdown of the biggest sports stories of the week. And hopefully I will no longer have one of my teams lose to one of LZ's teams. That hurt. I like this. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.